Welcome to Werewolf the Podcast, a retrospective podcast about Werewolf the Apocalypse. Imagine. Imagine Atlantic City. Imagine HLGCon. The boardwalk. The beach. The hotels. The casinos. Imagine an old hotel, renovated, restored, open to the public in a way it never was before. Now imagine a series of quirky, intense, and interesting event rooms. Imagine the coolest bar you've ever wanted to host a LARP in. And that's the showboat. HLGCon is happening October 12th through the 14th of 2018 in the Showboat Hotel and Resort in Atlantic City. We'll have LARP, tabletop, board games, and more. We've struck a deal with several LARP studios to run a blockbuster LARP, Pandemonium, that'll be unlike any other event in 2018. Find us on the web at hlgcon.com. Come join us. Imagine it, and we'll make it a reality. Welcome to another episode of Werewolf the Podcast. I am Josh Heath. I am going to be your host. Today, we are going to be reviewing Werewolf Storyteller's Handbook. Now, this is the Storyteller's Handbook that came out in 1994 and is the first edition, quote-unquote, or officially it came out for second edition Werewolf, but it is the first printing of a Storyteller's Handbook for Werewolf the Apocalypse. So if you were to look this up online, I would suggest you look for Werewolf Storyteller's Handbook first edition, was printed in 1994, but technically it is a second edition product. I know that's confusing. It's one of the annoying things, the way the editions were assigned uh, in these particular books, but neither here nor there. By the numbers, this book was printed in 1994, and we've got a good deal of authors on the book, partly because it is a longer book, about 138 pages. You've got Bill Bridges, Steve Brown, Phil, Satirio Sprocato, Brian Campbell, Sam Chupp, Owl Goingback, Andrew Greenberg, Daniel Greenberg, William Spencer Hale, Robert Hatch, Harry Heckel, Sam and Abinette, Robert Kaminsky, James Moore, and T.U. Wynn. The editing in here was done by John Hibbets, the art direction by Richard Thomas, the art by John Bridges, Tony DiTerlizzi, Tony, I'm never going to get your name right, Tony DiTerlizzi. Uh, Richard Kane Ferguson, Brian LeBlanc, Ron Spencer, and Joshua Gabriel Timbuk. Front cover is by Clyde Cadwell. The cover design by Lawrence Snelly. And the typesetting and layout by Kathleen Ryan. And there's an intern, Matt, intern boy Milberger. I don't know what you're doing in life now, Matt, but you are important enough to have gotten a mention in this book as the production assistants. So, appreciate it. So, what is this book? This book is a storyteller's handbook for Werewolf the Apocalypse. Okay, the review is over. We can go away now. No. I wish I could. I could. I don't have to do these reviews, but I feel like I want to do these reviews. So, what does this book include? It's got six different chapters that talk about the different things that you as a storyteller can use and do and focus on to make really effective stories for Werewolf the Apocalypse. Pretty straightforward, right? Um, And chapter one is storytelling. 
and there are suggestions here for how to construct a chronicle and what what a chronicle means how to determine the types of themes that you're going to focus on what sort of elements you're going to use as your your hook your MacGuffins, your propelling elements of the story that drive the players and the um, the their characters to take action. You've got to remember too, and I like that this book does this. It points out that your players are also storytellers in their own game, and you want to give them as much of a chance to craft the narrative as you can. One, it saves you energy as a storyteller, and two, it provides them incentive for digging into the game and digging into their characters and trying to get something from those actions. This book is really good for folks that don't have a lot of training in creative writing or literature theory. There are suggestions on how to build a story, what those story elements are like, how to do introductions, the body of the story, and then the climax of a story, and how to hopefully get those things right from a werewolf perspective. And really, that's that's it, right? Those are the skills that you need to have a little bit of improvisation, a little bit of understanding on how stories are constructed, and then helping stories to fit that arc. And that's what this chapter is really giving you suggestions on how to do, how to build packs into a cohesive unit, how to get stories moving, how to run preludes, how to do all of these things that help tell a story. I was recently on an episode of Mage the Podcast where we were talking about myth and mage. And we were talking about the hero's journey and we talked about Joseph Campbell. And in this werewolf book, they do the same thing. They talk about what myth means and how Star Wars in particular, because it's a really, it's Joseph Campbell's favorite metaphor. And I think it's a good metaphor for the hero's journey and how to create that in a werewolf chronicle how to talk about myth and create illusions and create references that help you tell a deeper story that aren't just you know three werewolves get together and they go and beat up some bad guys and they call it a day well what happens if those bad guys are representative forces of the people that we uh, are that are harming people in our real world or their allusions to the Roman Empire, or their connections to Chinese mythology, or they are connections to Native American tradition. All of these layers are things that we can bring into our games through illusions. And effectively, that's what this book gives you suggestions on within this section, is how to create a hero's journey, how to layer in illusions in a way that are effective, interesting, and that fit overall the outcome of the type of story that you want to run. So I think that's really good. That's helpful. Um, It's helpful to understand how it applies to the different types of werewolves, the different tribes, the different auspices, and what sort of things 
your characters are looking for out of a story when they play those particular characters. There's also an essay early on, or late on in chapter one, but early on in the book, talking about improvisation. And improvisation is incredibly important from my perspective to be a really good GM, but it's not easy for everyone. Uh, I did several years of improv as a young adult, and it was really helpful for me just in general, and it was particularly helpful for me running role-playing games because it gave me the skill to figure out how to just come up with something on the fly based on small input that you're given. And if you've watched Whose Line It Says Anyway or anything like that, you can kind of see what those things look like. Those are skills that you can build out as a storyteller, and there are suggestions given here to be able to do that very well. Chapter two of this book dives into the culture of the Garu Nation and the politics of the Garu Nation. And some folks that are World of Darkness fans see Vampire as the really political game, but honestly, every single game in one form or another touches on politics. And the politics in the Garu Nation or in Werewolf the Apocalypse in general are just as in-depth and crazy and full of intrigue as the best vampire plots are. Um, there are all the the nuances between the Silver Fangs and the Shadow Lords and all of the different tribes and the different attempts to figure out um, how to manage the litany and issues around Hamed and Lupus and Metasporn werewolves and how to deal with that um, as a people and as a culture and they're not easy things and it's helpful I think to consider those things as a storyteller and how you're going to bring them in how you're going to bring different camps into your story you know the, um, the get of Fenris and we will get to them in another episode and I know some folks are kind of really uh, hoping for us to do more tribe books technically they're not on the list yet. They haven't been published officially yet. But some of the uh, the camps are not great people. They are potentially racist or um, terrorist in one form or another. And honestly, in some ways, werewolves themselves use terrorism against the forces that they see arrayed against them. I mention this only to say that you as a storyteller have to be careful and understand the game your players want to play and what they are comfortable with in engaging when you are layering in camp concepts into your game. And it's not going to be the same for everybody. Some people are much more comfortable going full bore and touching on the elements of racism and sexism and the problems inherent in violence in the systems of the world through Werewolf the Apocalypse. And that is fine. If your players and you are comfortable touching on those concepts, then do so. But if one of your players is not comfortable talking about those things, engaging with them, and shuts down and is hurt themselves directly, then you should stop forcing those elements into your game. 
And if that person chooses to continue to play in your game, you need to be cognizant of what their triggers are. And I'm using that in the, in the accurate, the correct way to use that term. Now, if you don't think that a group is the right sort of setting for you to play a game with, then you should not feel like you are compelled to do so either. And I encourage people to talk early and often about the things, the concepts, the ideas, the themes that they are comfortable engaging with, so that if you go too far at any point, and if you utilize the X card, or if you do any other things that help people modulate their investment, then you'll be better off all in all. And that was, that's my random tangent, I guess, but within the second chapter of this book, I think it's really important. It's really important to look at the Garu Nation and realize they are at times not particularly great people. They are not the type of people that I would always want to be around. And that's okay within a story context if you understand why you're using bad people and what sort of thing they reflect upon the world, upon the players, and the choices that you're making. So that rant over. There are rights provided for the specific tribes within this book. They are related to the different moots that the particular tribes might run themselves. There's also an essay about renown and what renown means um, from Sam Chupp's perspective at the end of chapter two. I think that's very useful. All of the essay bits that are in this, I say go read them. They're helpful. They help set your understanding of certain concepts in a really effective way. Chapter three is setting. And setting is really about creating a sense of of the world around your characters using all five senses and utilizing those senses as a way of explaining what the world around them is like. When you walk into uh, a grandmother's house and she's baking cookies, it's an entirely different five sense situation all the way from the smells to the tastes to the sensation of the air on your skin to walking into a nightclub where you can almost feel people sweat on your skin when you walk through the door and you can hear the beat of the music pulsating through you. It's an entirely different situation and you know it the second you are in one or the other that you are in a different place, that you are in a specific place. And what this chapter is talking about is how to do that well, how to layer in those, that sense of, oh, this is the place you are at. When you're in the umbra, these are the sensations you feel. These are the sounds. These are the sights. These are the ephemeral sensations that don't fit one of the five senses that you feel. Maybe it's an emotion whenever you walk into the cairn. You feel you know, your gut twist slightly and there's a change about you and suddenly you are cold inside and you know something is wrong. 
that's an element of setting and you use your senses to explain the different settings you can use the senses to explain the different settings if you just say okay you're in an office that's fine if that's the type of staid kind of boring sensation you want the players to get but if there's a sense of danger there you should be using other language to set that scene uh, to get feedback from everyone uh, and really feel like you are experiencing those different things that you are describing as a storyteller and the same is true for non-modern settings you know the dark ages werewolf is a thing wild west werewolf is a thing but you can also run your game in any sort of uh, location or historical place that you would like to do so and there's tons of information in all of the werewolf books but particularly in this book there's some suggestions on how to do historical settings well you're going to have different sensations in those settings and using those well is really important there's my rant on chapter three. Chapter four is enemies and uh, villains and antagonists and how to use them in a way that is deeper than just these are cackling creatures of the worm hiding behind uh, everything that you see. The Garu nation, Garu in general, are facing a lot of enemies on a regular basis and none of them are... Nessus, some of them are straight up um, villains but not all of them are some of them are more subtle creatures they're more subtle enemies they don't like Garu for for good reasons potentially but they're not necessarily out and out villains and how you present them is really important but this chapter also presents uh, cryptids and other creatures and different things like that that can be really helpful to running your stories. There are some urban legends and things like that that you can utilize to tell stories. Those things are cool. Those things make people go, they're, they're memorable. People, if you use um, the Loch Ness Monster or any other sort of lake serpent, your characters are going to remember that interaction with Champy in Lake Champlain. Even if it's a bit, it might feel silly, on some levels, it's deeper than just, oh, there's a sea serpent in the lake. If it's an iconic being, they're going to remember that more, and it's going to be an interesting story for them uh, to interact with. Chapter 5 is titled Friends, and it's talking about kinfolk and friendships and rage in a werewolf context. These things are not easy. Being friends with people is not easy for the Garu. Garu are angry regularly, nearly constantly, and understanding what friendship is like for the Garu is really helpful. And then what family is like and what being family to werewolves is very helpful. There's also rules on creating your own kinfolk in here. So you not only get the what do these relationships look like, but here's some rules if you want to bring kinfolk in. And later on in the different books, there are more information on building more kinfolk. 
there's also inf information on different spirits and things like that in this section. So it's not just, you know, humans. It's not just their sort of relationship to the Garu, but what are the Garu's relationships with spirits like? Very, very important. And then chapter six is about rules and methods. And this is helpful for uh, giving you a suggestion, giving you suggestions on here are some new things that you can do, but also here's ways to utilize those things. There are more uh, talons and um, fetishes presented. There are uh, rules on the creation of fetishes and quests going on quests, quests. And the quest system in here is a way of kind of constructing a quest in a way that maybe doesn't take away from the main story, but allows you to do a shorter story fairly quickly, but does something big for the overall story. Um, you can see this as like a short time travel story in, uh, in a serial show, TV show, is a good, um, is a good um, reference point for the type of quest that you might have um, in a story and how it might tie into the overall story that is being told. The appendix of this book is a presentation of the optional tribal weaknesses. And these in revised become a, a, an important part of the game. In second edition, they were just some suggestions. And actually, in 20th anniversary edition, they remove them again. So it's good to know about them. If you want to use them, they can add some layers into the story. You're not required to use them. Um, so it's up to you if you want to do that. All in all, this is a decent book. In, um, in the era, 1994, this would have been great. I would have immediately gone out and bought this and said, you should own this book. There are, I would argue, more recent storytellers book that are handbooks that are just as good, or if not better. And so you can take it with a grain of salt. If you wanna get this first edition one, there's nothing there's nothing bad with doing that. I think it's got good information, but I don't, I'm not saying that you should get this 100% because I think there are other newer books that touch on the same material. Um, and there are a couple of things here that maybe aren't in later editions, but could be useful. But I think you could find those simply by Googling how to create stories well, and you would get um, kind of the same information. So probably a five or six out of ten sort of book pretty quality the art is up and down in here uh, there's some really interesting pieces that are very evocative and there are a couple of pieces that make me go okay not quite sure where you're going with that but all in all uh, I would say this is a pretty solid book so this has been another episode of Werewolf the Podcast where we have been talking about Werewolf Stories ha Storyteller's Handbook, first edition for the second edition of Werewolf the Podcast Werewolf the Apocalypse. Anyway, if you have any suggestions, concerns, complaints, arguments, complete disagreements with my opinions about anything, you may leave me a comment on Podbean or on the Facebook group Werewolf the Podcast. I'm happy to uh, discuss anything. If you want to shoot me a direct message, uh, please don't do that. You could if you want to. I don't mind it, especially if you're a friend of mine. I want to talk to you. 
but in general, it would be helpful if you left comments on the Facebook page. That's where I read them most frequently. But if you have any questions, please let me know. Anyway, this has been Werewolf the Podcast. Josh Heath, speak to you soon.